Okay. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell. Uh, we are coming to you on a Super Monday, Boxing Day of Super Bowl, and uh, we're uh, both feeling, you know, not a hundred percent, but uh, we're still going to do it. We're going to give you a great uh, breakdown of the Super Bowl, uh, breakdown of USC 284, and it's All Star Week with the NBA. So. Lots to get to, uh, of course, Jason Cameron joining us, and uh, uh, yeah, how are you feeling today? I'm so glad that you got the day off as well. Uh, it's nice uh, both of us had the day off. Yeah, yeah, it was it was, it was probably the smartest thing I've ever done, so yeah, was, hey, had a great time uh, yesterday for the Super Bowl, was at a party, huge event, it was a lot of fun, I was uh, hanging out with friends, it was fantastic. But I'm kind of feeling it today. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I had a little too, uh, a little more than I like to normally drink, but uh, it was great. Uh, I went over to Larae's parents' place. They are amazing hosts, as always. They got a great house for hosting, and uh, we had a lot of awesome snacks. And everybody was into the game. We had a lot of prop bets and we had those squares that you can put your name into and win money after every score of every quarter i ended up uh winning quite, yeah, quite a bit of money uh compared to what i put in i uh won i, I won the the big prop pool i won uh, the fourth quarter the end of the game uh square so uh yeah i was the big winner which was always nice uh i had to spend some money to buy lots of snacks and drinks but uh i I think uh, I more than covered it with what I won, so it was fun. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. Uh, I, 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 I did partake in some of the raffles, but unfortunately, I didn't win anything. Okay, <laughs> I see. Well, I'm officially retired from film. Uh, I uh, had my last day on Friday and uh, have hung it up. Uh, uh, you know, I don't have a proverbial. Uh, glove to put in the corner, middle of the octagon. I don't have skates to hang up on a peg or jersey to put to the rafters or something. But uh, symbolically, uh, I retired. Uh, it might be a Tom Brady type retirement. It might be a Brett Favre or many boxing guys' uh, retirements. But hopefully not. Hopefully, this was the last day of film that I ever had. Wow! Would you look at that? I, I I have a feeling though you're gonna do a Tom Brady direction. You're gonna come back. You're coming back. <laughs> well, I heard Tom Brady's coming back from his second retirement. Uh, that was the rumor that was starting to be floated out there today. Did you hear that? No, I did not hear that. I'm actually quite surprised. Yeah, really? I'll, have to, I'll have to send you the uh, the story, the the main story that I was reading this uh, this afternoon. Um, yeah, uh, supposedly this guy has seen lots of hints and lots of information that's uh uh he thinks tom brady is uh coming back already so uh we'll have to keep our eyes and ears open for that wow wow i guess he just can't stay away again loves the no. game too much no he sure does yeah yeah uh yeah i think i think soon as um patrick mahomes won that second super bowl he thought oh geez i gotta suit up again this guy has a chance to get me uh he he's he's only 27, uh, sixth season. He's already got two two MVPs. Uh, uh oh, I, I got to push this record a little bit farther for the for, so this guy doesn't catch me. I just he's just greedy. 
You know what I mean? Like that, it, you're just greedy now. What are, what are you doing? You want one another Super Bowl? <laughs> I, I also think he wants to go to Vegas to stop Aaron Rodgers being reunited for uh, with Devontae Adams and and uh, mess up uh, Aaron Rodgers, who they've had a, quite a bit of beef over the years. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see him doing that. He, yeah. A little petty, but yeah, I can see Tom doing that just for that reason. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, I hope he comes back. But I was I was kind of choked that he uh, retired again. I, I thought he still had lots to give. He he led the league in passing attempts, uh, passing yardage as always, and you know still's got it uh, as long as they have a good offensive line and some running. Uh, you know he he should be able to do great again. No, no, no. He he's got that golden arm. It's like that his arm will never tire out. It's amazing, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty uh, nice to win uh, some money. That was great. Uh, but the Eagles lost the game against the Chiefs yesterday. Uh, it, the greatest Super Bowl ever, in my opinion. Uh, I, I, a lot of people will probably argue with me and give me this one or that one or this one or that one. Uh, this one, 38-35, the two best teams all season long. Uh, two of the greatest lineups we've ever seen. They got weapons on both sides of the ball on both teams. Uh, two of the most dynamic quarterbacks, two black quarterbacks finally facing each other in a Super Bowl game. I mean, you couldn't ask for more. This game had everything. I was just kind of hoping it had overtime as well. And then I could say hands down, this was the greatest by far. If it went to overtime, yeah, I, I would agree with you. It would be hands down the greatest game I've ever seen. But with that being said, that was the game was just unbelievable. Back and forth the entire time. Um, and both quarterbacks were absolutely amazing. The Eagles um, are hurting today after losing. Uh, had, a, had a really good chance to win this game. Um, it comes down to a few plays, and a lot of people are going to break it down and say, you know, this is why, that that's why, this is why. Uh, you can't blame Jalen Hurts. He had a bad fumble that led to a defensive touchdown, but the guy had 300 yards passing, one touchdown. He had 70 yards rushing, three rushing touchdowns. He scored the two-point convert to tie the game. I mean, what more could he really do? He couldn't really do any more than that. Like, like he was he was absolutely – I thought he was amazing. He was absolutely amazing. Like, and just the way that he ran that offense, the clock management that he had, they can say Eagles controlled a lot of that game yeah. with their offense. Yeah, well, they had the ball uh, 35 minutes and 47 seconds. Uh, Chiefs only had it for 24-13. They had 25 first downs, 417 yards of offense, uh, over 300 yards passing. Uh, The rushing attack wasn't as prolific as it has been all year, kind of stymied in a lot of ways other than Hertz. Hertz had 70 of the 115 yards. Uh, That was the only uh, part of the offense that just didn't really seem to click. Yeah, uh, Kansas City's defense was really, really good on shutting down their run offense for the Eagles. Uh, KC's defense really stepped up in that respect. The one thing that I was a little bit annoyed with was the play calling on offense in first and second down for the Eagles. I thought they were way too conservative, really didn't go for it enough. Uh, They had a couple of plays that they they made some hay on, but they had – Eight, no, they had uh, 20 uh, third down chances. Uh, they they went for it 18 times on third down and, and converted 11 times and uh, went for it on fourth down twice and converted them both. 
Uh, 18 third down chances, though, uh, just far and away more than Kansas City had. I just felt like um, conservative, really weirdly conservative on that first and second down. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. They, they were very conservative. I, I didn't. I, I thought to myself they didn't take enough shots down the field. To be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, that was strange. Yeah. Um, not only did they lose the Super Bowl yesterday, but they also lost a lawsuit today from their on with their former safety, Chris Maragos. He was awarded forty three and a half million dollars today against uh, the team doctors and the Eagles franchise uh, because of some uh, malpractice and uh, medical negligence, they're calling it, for a knee injury that he suffered. And they called him fit to play. He went out there, absolutely ruptured his knee and never played another down. Uh, Nick Foles and uh, three, uh, two other teammates uh, went to the, onto the witness stand uh, in his defense, and uh, he was awarded, uh, like I said, $43.5 million today uh, from the Eagles franchise. Wow. Wow. That's – well, well, good for him. But that's something that definitely – that should never have happened. That yeah. should never, ever have happened. Yeah, brutal. Yeah, I feel sorry for the guy. Um, he had to uh, retire in 2019. He said reluctantly – um, he, uh, yeah, he was uh, you know, a terrific player, but uh, cut short from a serious knee injury and uh, never played another down. And uh, yeah, the Eagles also, uh, they're also hurting today from a massive riot that happened. Did you hear about this? Uh, uh, they took over, they went, uh, went to the Rocky statue, City Hall, had a massive riot. They were shooting fireworks at cops, flipping cars, uh, causing absolute massive damage. Uh, I understand most of Philadelphia downtown core is absolutely destroyed. Wow. I did not hear about that. I, I Well, maybe it was a good thing that they didn't win the game because <laughs> that's what they did when they lost the game. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're hurting from uh, the Phillies lost in the world series recently and then uh, losing in the Super Bowl. Uh, I think actually sometimes when the team loses, uh, we see a little worse of a riot. We had that in Vancouver here two times when the Canucks lost in the final. We had some obviously bad rioting in, in 2011 and 1994. But, um, yeah, I, 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 I saw a lot of the footage and uh, heard a lot of the a lot of, a lot of fans got arrested, a lot of people down there. Uh, usually it's hooligans and anarchists and guys that stir it up, but then uh, – Unfortunately, it filters into the fans and some of the people down there to celebrate. And yeah, I heard it's uh, it's ugly. Uh that that's uh, that's unfortunate, man. Like, because like that's it. It just gives the whole city a bad look, you know, yeah. when, when people do this, do these sort of things. Yeah, yeah. As I said, I th I feel like it was the greatest Super Bowl ever. Uh, started off well. Uh, the Eagles were able to march down right away. Jalen Hurts was able to get a touchdown. Kansas City went down, scored a touchdown. Uh, it was uh, Hurts again getting a, another touchdown. They went back. He fumbled the ball. Suddenly it's 14-all. Uh, Eagles were able to get a 10-point lead into halftime, 24-14. And you thought, wow, they're, they, they're controlling the ball. They're really dominating in, in most of the facets. Uh, you know, Other than a fumble, really, they had held um, Kansas City to only seven points in that first half. But 
Andy Reid, the uh, offensive genius that he is, the really solid long-term coach, just went in, made some adjustments. They came out in the second half. They were never stopped in that second half. They got three touchdowns in a row, got that late field goal to win the game. And, and I think it came down to Andy Reid's experience gets Nick Sirianni's inexperience and the adjustments that they made at halftime, the, the Chiefs were able to pull out the win. Yeah, like this, they say this is it's a game of inches, and the, just those adjustments that Andy Reid made at halftime, that was enough for them to swing it to their for the win for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, you mentioned just before we started that you thought the clock management by Andy Reid was fantastic as well. Oh, it was unbelievable because at first here I am, I'm thinking to myself, why didn't he score? Right, because like he slid down. And so I'm like, oh, what, what's he doing? And then I'm looking at the clock. I go, oh, is that what he's doing? And and just, it was brilliant. It was a brilliant, calculated move. On his yeah. I, a lot of people where I was watching were saying, uh, what the heck is he doing? Why didn't he score? He should have just punched it in. Uh, that would have given them a six-point lead, then eventually a seven-point lead. It would have, um, you know, pushed it, you know, at least up to, you know, having a touchdown lead. Hertz gets the ball. He has to march it down. You know, usually they're going to get about the 20, 25 yard line has to march it down the field in less than two minutes to get it. But um, they decided, no, we were going to just wind it all the way down. Let Butker kick that field goal, give them almost next to nothing left on the clock. And, and it worked out perfectly. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it literally worked out perfect. Like just, the, was just with the fact of having the foresight to say, we're just going to work the clock down and not give him a chance. Yeah. No chance. So what does this do for the legacy of some of the main players here? Uh, let's start with Patrick Mahomes. Um, obviously, he had a bit of a struggle early on, but his numbers in the end were great, and uh, he's got his second regular season MVP, second Super Bowl MVP, uh, two championships in six years. Five years as a starter has really just been dominant. Has taken Kansas City in the last five seasons to seventy-five wins, and uh, this has just been the dominant team over the last half decade. Uh, what what does this do for uh, the legacy already of Patrick Mahomes? It just builds on just uh, a stellar. You could say you could actually argue right now already Hall of Fame career. Yeah. And like he's he's just building on that legacy. Now, unfortunately, fair or unfair, he's always going to be compared to Tom Brady, which I don't know if you should be comparing anybody to that guy, because I don't think it's fair to think it's like, all right, so you got five more left to win. <laughs> yeah. like, come on, man. Give me a break. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's he's put it so far out of the stratosphere. Yeah, it's it's insane. Uh yeah, as I said, uh, only six seasons in the NFL, uh, five as a as a full time starter, and uh, you know so dominant already. Uh, a lot of talk today about who are the top five, ten quarterbacks of all time. Uh, I can pile the list. Uh, can you? Can you? Uh, do you? Can you think of five off the top of your head? Will he? Will he be in that top five as of yet? Not yet. No, I I, I couldn't put him there yet. Like you know, like. Uh, if, if we're looking at, like, the best of the best, obviously Tom Brady's up there. Um, I'd go with Joe Montana. I'm, I'm going with, like, quarterbacks that basically have won multiple Super Bowls. He's got two, 
But I, I would say for him to be put in that upper echelon, I think he has to win a couple more. Yeah. Yeah, I had Tom Brady, Joe Montana, like you did. I had Terry Bradshaw, won four championships. I had Peyton Manning, one of the greatest of all time in there. Uh, I thought Troy Aikman really deserved a lot to be in there. Steve Young, uh, Dan Marino, even though he didn't win the championship, had, you know, huge numbers and, you know, just wasn't on a team that won it all. But Peyton, uh, Patrick Mahomes is definitely starting to inch his way up that list. And he's, you know, health health permitting, he's got a massive long career ahead of him. Oh, yeah, of course. And and I would say this. He wins another Super Bowl. He's definitely the argument. He's definitely right there. Yeah. Uh, I saw him today. He spent the day at Disneyland. Uh, he was able to go Disneyland, Disney World, and now he's picked it back to Disneyland. Uh, he had a lot of great comments today. Uh, I loved that they had their own Philly special, and uh, they, they did it two times. Uh, one on one side of the ball, one on the other. Supposedly, the second one that they scored was Sky Moore. Uh, Sky was actually supposed to be on the other side of the field, and he messed up. But he ended up so wide open that when Mahomes looked and didn't see him, looked over there and saw him, he was able to hit him for the touchdown. They call it the corn dog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, this, they had the Philly special in Philadelphia, won their championship. Uh, this one called the corn dog. Not really sure what. Why it came out, it's probably Andy Reid's favorite food or something like that. Oh, I, I think so. I think it's probably his favorite food. But, yeah, that was uh, a great play call. But it, it's kind of funny that he was actually in the wrong position to yeah. score that touchdown. Yeah. They're the, uh, I think they're the first team in Super Bowl history to have two rookies score touchdowns in the Super Bowl. They had Pacheco getting one and uh, Sky Moore getting the other. Also, uh, little use Kadarius Tony was able to get that touchdown. Uh, Tony had a record for the longest punt return in Super Bowl history that set up uh, their final drive there. Uh, pretty uh, impressive. After Tyreek Hill lose, uh, leaves, uh, a lot of teams started, or a lot of people started writing off the Chiefs saying uh, they just lost their biggest weapon. Uh, they're going to be able to eliminate Kelsey, they got nobody else. Uh, but uh, they were able to plug in a lot of holes this year and, uh, you know, win it all. Yeah. And, and, but the, the most important guy is still there, which is Patrick Mahomes. As long as he's still there, I guess that's why they paid him all that money. As long as he's, he's still there, they're, they're, that team's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, could you believe how great he was, even though he was still quite hobbled? Uh, he looked really hurt. Uh, 133 left got tackled, had to limp off the field. Uh, he, I bet you he was happy that they had that half an hour halftime show with Brianna and everything uh, because it gave him a chance to uh, retape it. Maybe, I don't know, maybe shoot it up. I don't know what they did, but he came out. He didn't look hampered really badly in that second half. He was 13 of 14 at 150 yards, touchdowns. Uh, the guy was on fire in that second half and didn't didn't look like that. High ankle sprain was hampering him very much at all. Yeah, and that in itself is amazing because it looked like that was definitely going to hamper him going into the second half. Like, I I, I saw that play, and I'm like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, just not affected anymore. I, yeah, he's amazing. I don't know how they did that. I don't know what treatment they gave him, but – it worked. He is amazing. Uh, what a what an absolutely remarkable career. What a great season. Uh, first time 
a player has won the regular season MVP and Super Bowl MVP this century. Last time it was done was Kurt Warner in 1999. Uh, there was kind of a curse on it for uh, the last 20 something years. And uh, finally, Mahomes proved that, you know, he is definitely the best player in the game. And he's he's now the fifth highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Uh, after we saw him sign that 10-year, $450 million deal, you thought, wow, that's going to set the bar for a long, long time. Uh, imagine about three, four, five, six years down the chain, he's going to be about the 15th, 20th highest paid quarterback. And that's going to help the Chiefs assemble a great team around him. This could be a dynasty uh, I can't. I don't think I can call it a dynasty quite yet, but uh, I don't think this team's done with winning titles. No, absolutely not. I don't think they're done winning titles as long as they can keep their core, like their core together. Yeah, this just, team's going to be great for a long time. Okay, what about on the flip side? The Eagles paid Jalen Hurts just over a million and a half dollars this year. He's due for a massive raise. Uh, they're going to have to get rid of a fair amount of guys to give him a $40, $50 million deal. Uh, uh, are the Eagles going to be able to keep this team and uh, be competitive at the top of the league for a few years to come? It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because Jalen Hurts got to get paid. And so that means they're going to have to get rid of some players because those players aren't going to get paid. So I'm I'm kind of curious on what side of the ball they're going to suffer. Is it going to be on the defense or the offensive side of the ball? Because they're going to lose quality players. Uh, this year, Kansas City had 24 new players of their 53-man roster and 10 rookies. Uh, only two teams had more rookies than the Chiefs, and that was the Bears and uh, Houston. And uh, we we know how badly bad those teams were. Houston. Worst team in the league uh, the, pretty much the whole year. Chicago uh, really couldn't win at all. It's amazing what the Chiefs were able to do, uh, overhauling half their roster and losing Tyreek Hill, like I said, losing Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to injury partway through, but plugging holes and uh, doing it well. Uh, this is an amazing job by Andy Reid uh, and the rest of this team uh, how, coming together and, and getting another title with that much change. It's got to be tough. Oh, yeah, it, it's super challenging, but, like, Andy Reid and his coaching staff just did an incredible job of just getting by at times. But also, too, knowing that they can get by because they have, like, the best player in the NFL on their side. Yeah. Okay, Andy Reid, uh, legacy. Uh, he spent 14 years as the coach of the Eagles, comes to KC. He's been here for about a dozen now. Uh, he's really starting to uh, establish himself as one of the greatest all, of all time. I think he's in the top 10. I started compiled a bit of a list myself. Obviously, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, goats on the coaches and quarterback side. I thought, uh, you know, Vince Lombardi needed to be in there. Don Shula, Chuck Knoll with his four titles with Pittsburgh, Bill Walsh. Uh, but Andy Reid's starting to creep up into that conversation, just like Patrick Mahomes is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like just just with the wizardry that he he does, like even in the Super Bowl, like the clock management again at the end of the game, like that was awesome. It was unbelievable work on yeah. his part. So, yeah, yeah he's getting and, into that conversation. 
he was criticized uh, about that heavily in the, uh, with the Eagles. Uh, he had mismanaged a few uh, crucial games, and uh, glad to see him finally get that monkey off his back. And a lot of people have forgotten about that, and now he's considered a genius. And uh, that clock management, it was risky, but it was smart. In the end, uh, it worked out really well for him. And uh, the big guy is there. He said he's coming back uh, next year for sure. Uh, I think he needs to get a little bit better shape or we might not be seeing this guy for many more years. He's uh, he's a big, big boy and he needs to be a little bit less than that. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's a big man. And yeah, he, he needs to get that weight under control for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, what about Travis Kelsey? Started to also inch up in that upper echelon of top tight, tight ends. Uh, these three together, uh, an incredible trio. Uh, what about Travis Kelsey and, and the legacy that he's starting to build? Yeah, it well, it, it helps that he has Patrick Mahomes passing the ball, but uh, he has been fantastic. He's been great for so many years. Um, as long as he keeps keeping it up, we may be talking about him as the best tight end, period, that has yeah. ever played. Yeah, yeah. Uh, him and Mahomes have uh, 14 touchdowns in playoff history. They're just one behind Tom Brady and Rob Gonkowski and two ahead of Joe Montana and Jer Jerry Rice. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I I also compiled a little bit of a tight end list. Uh, I think Gronkowski, to me, is the greatest of all time with the four Super Bowls. Uh, he had uh, nearly 10,000 yards. He was uh, probably the best. Uh, tight end blocker for running attack that we've ever seen. And um, yeah, he was just, he'd just been able to have so much success with Tom Brady and, and Brady said he needed him in Tampa. And sure enough, he did. They, he won a title with him there. So uh, I think Robert Gronkowski is still the greatest. Uh, there's a few more on the list, but um, what, what, uh, what about your list? Oh, Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez would definitely be up there for me, for sure. Um, and then, yeah, Rob Gronkowski is right there as well with, yeah. like, four Super Bowls. So that would be mine. Yeah, I had Gronk, uh, Gonzalez, um, Antonio Gates, Shannon Sharp, uh, Kellen Winslow Sr. Uh, and then I had some guys from yesteryear like Ditka, uh, Ozzie Newsome. Jason Witten's up there. He had a fantastic career. But I think um, yeah, Travis Kelsey might be inching into that top five, and and uh, you know he, he's I think mid thirties now, uh, still has a few years to go. Yeah, no, he he's still got some time left. Um, he wins a couple more Super Bowls. Yeah, he's gonna be right there. <laughs> uh, okay, all week for two weeks for for the year we've been hearing about the Eagles' defense and all the sacks and all the pressure and all the things that they were gonna do to. Stop Mahomes. Zero sacks in this game. Zero. They let them run roughshod over them on the running game in that second half. They let Kansas City put 38 points up on the board. What happened? Why? Why? What happened? Are, did they choke, or was it the scheme that the Chiefs put on them, or was it just superior players they haven't seen all year? What What happened? I thought it was the scheme. I, I, I honestly thought that Andy uh, Andy Reid had just a great uh, play calling uh, to neutralize their best assets for, for the Eagles defense. So 
I thought it was the scheming for sure uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I was shocked. I really, uh, I thought the Eagles uh, had that side of the ball covered. I thought uh, they were going to be able to outscore the Chiefs because they were going to get a lot of pressure on Mahomes. Uh, that one takedown hurt him. If they take him down two or three times, three, four, five times, sack him. Uh, you know, I think Mahomes is out of the game. We see Chad Henney in there, and then all bets are off. Uh, Eagles got a championship. Uh, I'm really shocked that they were not able to get one sack. Only ten pressures out of all the dropbacks that he had. And, um, yeah, they just were not the same as they've been all year. No, no, they they definitely were not the same. But, again, I, I would point to the scheme. I think uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs had a great game plan to take that away from them. Okay. Um, what were your thoughts on the James Bradbury called for holding? Uh, less than two minutes left. Uh, there was a, the, the pass to Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, up far away from Juju, uh, they they called him for holding. He had one hand on him. They turned around. He had a second hand on him briefly. I thought it was a really, really weak ticky-tack call that they had been letting go all game long. Uh, worst time for a penalty. It gave Kansas City that first down, able to just churn out, run out the clock from that point on. I thought it was a, a weak, weak call, and I was so, so, so pissed off. Yeah, Eagles fans should be pissed at that one. It was it was a weak call because like that, you you see the replay and you're just like, come on, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I thought it was weak. Um, it looked uncatchable as well. Uh, I thought that was part of the rule where hey, if he he's thrown it almost pretty much out of bounds, uh, Juju wasn't gonna get there no matter what. Even if he didn't touch him, he wasn't getting him to that ball. No, no, that was a completely uncatchable ball too. Yes. Yeah, sure. it was brutal. Unfortunately, he said it was holding in the locker room after. Pretty surprising. Uh, Bradbury admitted, yeah, it was a hold. I was hoping I'd get away with it. Uh, I think he, he might change his tune after he sees the replay. And here's uh, the commentary from many others. But the ref said mostly let everything go. There was really not a lot of calls where you were questioning it. The only other thing that was Sort of question was some of those catches that were uh, out of bounds. The the uh, player was sort of juggling it, was trying to see if he got two feet in, but uh, the refs didn't really play much in into the game except that, and it just was such an egregiously wrong call that it's just really unfortunate because I thought Kansas City is going to kick a field goal, going to get a touch, going to kick a field goal here probably, and Jalen Hurts is going to get a chance to go down, kick a field goal get it into overtime, and then, you know, once that call was made, uh, it was pretty much game over. Yeah, yeah, once that call was made, it was pretty much game over. And it, it was weird. The call was odd just because of the way they were calling the game in the first place. And then for that call, that it almost, like, didn't make any sense. Like, it was just kind of, yeah, it, it was an odd call. Uh, I heard a lot of complaints on the field conditions, and that's something that shouldn't happen. Uh, they said it was super slippery. It was like walking on ice. They said that painted area in the middle of the field was just so brutal. You couldn't get your footing. We saw a lot of players slip in. We saw a uh, kick kickoff. Uh, the, the kicker slipped really badly. Uh, that This should not happen. They should test it out. They should make sure. This is the biggest game in sports. 
and this shouldn't be a thing that the players have to worry about. No, I, I, absolutely, man. This is a Super Bowl. It's like, what do you mean it's slippery? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, they 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 should have they should have made sure that the field conditions were prime. They were good. at its best. That's what they should have made sure of, and it was not. And that's that's a failing on their part. The uh, the viewer numbers came out today, and uh, there were 113 million viewers watched the game. At its peak, was up to about 118, 19 million. Um, pretty amazing. Uh, third highest watched Super Bowl of all time, and it had been trending down over the last half a dozen years. Um, the the most watched Super Bowl of all time was the Seahawks Patriots 2015 2016. And um, it has been trending down because a lot of people are cutting their cable off. They have uh, switched to streaming options. But, um, yeah, obviously a lot of people were very interested in the two top teams going against each other and having this opportunity. Well, yeah, and then also, too, they weren't disappointed. It was a fantastic game. Yeah. So so well played. So every everybody that tuned in, I think they got their money's worth. I. <laughs> I wasn't pissed off about too many things. I was obviously mad about that Bradbury call. The other thing that I'm really mad about, and I'm not sure if it was the same where you were watching, but we did not get the American commercials. And I think that's just bullshit. I hate it. Uh, you you wait for that. They're they're paying $6 million for 30 seconds and so much anticipation is building for these commercials. And we didn't get any of them. The commercials sucked. They were just brutal. I was like yawning every time they had the commercials on. None of them made me laugh, made me interested in whatever product was being sold. I don't know why Canada is so lame and we can't come up with great commercials, even if we don't have tons of money. Uh, it was just so brutal. And I, I have to watch with the American commercials from this point on because I, I just get disgusted with these Canadian commercials. None of them were good. It was horrible. I don't I, you know what? Sometimes I think, well, why can't we just have the American commercials? You know what I mean? Like, why, why can't we, why can't we do that? Because you are absolutely correct. Our commercials are brutal. They're just <laughs> so horrible. It's bad. Yeah, it was pathetic. It was so pathetic. It was brutal. We, we had done a lot of prop bets, and we had uh, first beer commercial, first chip commercial, first this commercial, first that, and none of them came. They didn't have one beer commercial on the entire day. They didn't have one snack commercial the entire day. There was none of the things that you're always excited to see and wanting to see. Uh, this was watched by 45% of Canada. So the, the viewership's there. There's a lot of people that really want to tune in and watch. And I don't know. They got to do something about it, getting the commercials over here and, uh, you know, making it more fun. Because, you know, a lot of the, some of the people that, I was with one to see those commercials, and I do, and I, I'm I'm sure out of the 250 million people that watched this game all over the world, uh, you know, he really he would have way preferred to to see the the commercials from the U.S. not compared to the ones from their own country. Yeah, 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 definitely. You want to see because it's an event. The Super Bowl is an event, and then part of the event is the commercials as well, and the fact that we always get the short end of the stick every year is brutal and it sucks. Yeah. Uh, the other big thing that lots of people talking about, obviously is the halftime show. Uh, I thought last year's halftime show was one of the greatest ever. And 
you know, I just thought it might be hard to live up to that for a while, but um, I was really disappointed with this year's halftime show. I didn't think Rihanna was very good. Uh, I think that uh, the fact that she's coming off a pregnancy and she's pregnant again really, really diminished her dancing ability, her, uh, you know, chance to really light it up and do big things. And uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 I didn't like it at all. I, I, I thought she should have had some surprise guest joiner also on stage and and i i was pretty disappointed in how it ended up turning out that wasn't very good it just it wasn't very good like i i i wasn't even interested in it to be honest with you and then when i heard uh when she played the song run this town i thought oh is jay-z gonna come in like as again then none of that happened and i'm like okay no i'm definitely not she she hadn't performed live in seven years. So why are you pulling somebody sort of off the scrap heap? Like seven years. Like I, it would be nice to go and do something that I haven't done seven years in and, and perform in front of that many people. Uh, you know, you're going to be rusty after seven years. She has a lot of hits and, you know, there's a lot of good music that I'm sure people were really excited about. But uh, I thought it really just did not turn out great i don't think it looked as cool maybe as it did in the stadium with them being elevated on those platforms that might have you know been a lot, lot neater live uh, i thought the um, a lot of the dancers she had did a lot of cruel moves i think they could have done maybe some costume changes as well but um yeah it, it just it failed for me and uh it's too bad i like rihanna i like some of her music uh i think she could have done much better with some guests and, uh, you know, just a different type of performance. I saw her lip syncing too. And I thought, uh, you know, that's something that you shouldn't do if you're uh, going out there. Cause most of us can lip sync, you know, you gotta be, you should be singing your lyrics to the, to the audience. No, no, I, I agree with you that you, you should be singing your songs and not lip syncing your songs, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. I just thought that the whole halftime show felt flat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, weird thing that, uh, was reported today, actually kind of reported a little bit over the weekend, but reported today that the Eagles offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen is now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, uh, do you want to go from the penthouse to the outhouse? Uh, <laughs> what, what are you, you know, you're going into the Colts organization that's Fired two coaches in the past season. Uh, Jeff Saturday brought in as a weird move. Um, they don't have a quarterback that's doing anything. They just, this this organization seems like in a shambles. Um, you know, I know, you know, it's great to get a step up from that assistant coach role to head coach, but I don't think this is a good move. Uh, you know what? He's probably taking a risk. You know, like, because like sometimes if you, get this opportunity to become a head coach. Uh, it doesn't come around all the time. And he's probably just, he's, he's, he's taking a chance. He's taking a chance with an organization that's run by a kind of quirky owner, Jim Ursay. So he's, ta he's taking a risk, but uh, hey, this is his chance to be a head coach and he took it. Uh, I heard the rumor that Jimmy Garoppolo is their preferred quarterback to take over. Um, he's not exactly the scrap heap guy that they've been going for the last uh, 
four different quarterbacks. So uh, maybe that's a fit. What What are your thoughts? Uh, you know what? He's. I think his price is right. I think that's why they're going for him. Like you know, like he's he's affordable. So and and also too, Jimmy G. He wins. He doesn't always look great, but he does win. Does win, yeah. That's important. Yeah. Uh, uh, Derek Carr is set to be released by the Raiders either tomorrow or Wednesday. Uh, that saves them forty million dollars in guaranteed money. Uh, they had uh, sat him down in favor of Jarrett Stidham partway through the year last this past season. Um, they had a trade in place to the Saints, I hear, and Carr said, "No, nope, I'm not. I'm not going to accept any trade." And uh, so uh, he will be released. I would say almost guaranteed. And uh, where do you think he lands? Oh, yeah, there's a couple spots that he could go to. Um, maybe, maybe the, not, no, maybe not the Jets. I was thinking the New York Jets, but maybe not, because now they, they have uh, White there. Maybe the Carolina Panthers. There's a couple places that I could see him go to, but all the places I'm thinking of aren't great, great teams. Do you know? Who the new offensive coordinator is with the New York Jets? Nope. Who is it? Nathaniel Hackett. Oh. <laughs> I don't think any quarterback's chomping at the bit to go and be under his control. It's crazy. I don't even understand why the Jets would bring him in. Uh, I hear they're really, really trying hard to get Aaron Rodgers they want to bring him into a major market, tell him New York is the place for a guy like you. But I don't know, like Nathaniel Hackett, he was so bad with Denver. It's it's crazy. Like, I'm shocked that he even got a chance this early on. That's it. That almost doesn't even make any sense. That's a brutal move on their part, because it's like you just saw his body of work. It was awful. <laughs> so why would you give him the reins to run an offense? Uh, oh, man. Yeah, that's okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, Aaron Rodgers was mulling retirement. Uh, he went to this darkness retreat. Did you hear about that? Yeah, it sounded really weird. So yeah. he stayed in a room that was completely dark, and then they gave him food, right? Yeah. 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 I, I've heard that uh, a lot of – General managers and organizations are a little annoyed and thinking he's a little too odd for their liking. And uh, he has kind of kept the Packers in limbo year after year after year. Last three seasons, mulling retirement, not sure what he's going to do. Keeps going on these retreats, taking drugs, doing things, uh, acting kind of creepy, wondering, you know, thinking about uh, taking over Jeopardy, lots of weird stuff. Um, I think there'll be takers, but uh, where do you think he goes? Do you think I, I mentioned it last week that I think he goes to Vegas, uh, reunites with Devontae Adams and is there? But where, where do, you, do you have do you have any thoughts or do you have any insight? I I'm gonna be honest. I agree with you. I think his, his best option is to go back, go to Vegas and yeah. reunite with Devontae Adams because like the the Vegas the Raiders are good. They're a good team. What they need is a quarterback and a good one at that. And he fits the bill. 
it makes sense if he were to go there. Uh, the Packers started off horribly this past year, but they got better and better and better as the season progressed. Uh, he started getting comfortable with those rookies and the guys that came in to replace Adams and the guys they lost. Uh, in September, they were only scoring 16 points a game, which was 27th in the league. It moved up to 19 and a half in October. That became 23rd in the league. Uh, November, 22 and a half points. They rose up to 15th in the league in points per game. And then December and January, they were up to 27 points a game, which was tied for seventh in the league. I felt like he's finally got chemistry, finally got comfortable with what they were running and, and the guys that he was throwing to. Uh, maybe it's smart for him to just go back there, uh, maybe build out on that chemistry that he was able to get. Yeah, well, it's his option, but I, but you just never know what he's actually thinking because, like, he's just – it's almost like, you know, wherever the wind blows for that dude. You know, like, I I think his – his, one of his best opportunities is just to go back to Green Bay and just play there. But, uh, yeah, you don't know what he's going to do, though. You don't yeah, really I, know. I heard some I, – I heard some rumblings about his contract, and it was uh, three years, $150 million, So everyone just keeps saying $50 million, $50 million has the top – top quarterback but i heard that he got 30 million last year and he gets 30 million for the last year of the contract and he actually gets 90 million this year and they built it in that way to sort of just discourage any team from going after him if that's the case um do you think maybe a deal can be worked out with green bay taking on some salary or something but i don't know if that's the case 90 million like who's going to be able to take him on if that's the way his deal is structured, then he's not going anywhere. Nobody could afford it. <laughs> and and that, that's it's kind of crazy, actually, to give him that much money for one year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. And uh, I was pretty shocked to, to hear that. Uh, I, I, I don't know what the case is, but, but we'll see. Um, so great year, great, great NFL season. Uh, pretty awesome to see. The top two teams all year end up meeting each other. Fantastic Super Bowl. Uh, I think this is a win-win for the NFL, and the popularity just seems to be rising and rising again. And we're going to see another $16 million added to every team's salary cap. And, um, you know, I think onwards and upwards with this league for now, I think it's going to take a dip as the tackling starts decreasing, and we're going to see more – flag football kind of play uh no defense uh we're gonna see outrageous scores but uh for now i think the nfl is in a great position yeah i i would agree with you on that i think the nfl is, couldn't be happier with uh the way that things are moving for them and uh, also too with the culmination of just an excellently played super bowl with two of the best teams uh yeah onwards and upwards the nfl is in great hands right now um Okay, so, but we're not done with football. The XFL starts this Saturday. How stoked are you? I didn't know it was starting. <laughs> now, now, hold on a second. XFL, does The Rock own that? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Great. <laughs> uh, 113 million people watch the Super Bowl game. Do you think they'll get 10% of those viewership? You think they'll get one percent of that viewership? How many people are going to be watching the XFL? 
You you want me to give you a number? You, you want a number? Uh, okay, fifty thousand maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's. Do, do you think it's just craziness? Uh, even attempting to go up against the mighty NFL uh, like this, having a, a league, uh, you know, it's not competing against them fully because it's not the same season, but. Uh, do you think people are burned out from football and are just not going to even pay attention or bother? That's a tough one because, like, you know, there's some fans that are just diehards, you know, like that they can't get enough football. So I personally, you know, like I would w- rather see the best of the best and I wouldn't pay attention to the other stuff. So good luck, I guess. Good luck. Uh, okay. Well, uh, my favorite team in the XFL currently is the uh, Battle Hawks. Uh, I'm definitely going to be cheering big time for them. And the Sea Dragons. I'm going to go and watch a few games of the Sea Dragons for sure. Um, you have uh, you have a, a team that you're going to uh, put your put your support behind? Uh, sure. <laughs> I, actually, how many teams are even in the XFL right now? Uh, it looks like eight. Uh, so we've got the Renegades, the Brahmas, the Roughnecks, the Defenders, the Vipers, the Guardians, the Sea Dragons, and the Battle Hawks. So, um, yeah, out of those eight teams, uh, who do you, who do you want? Vipers for sure. That's my team. <laughs> okay, Vegas Vipers for Jason. Okay, yeah, we've got some. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure about the names. Uh, interesting. I don't like guardians. I don't like defenders, and I don't like um, rough. Roughnecks don't seem great. <laughs> but, yeah, it's kind of weird uh, that we're we've got this. Uh, we'll see. I think it's going to fail miserably. It did in its previous chances before, and um, I just don't think even if the rocks involved, which I really who a guy I really like. Uh, I just don't think they have the ability to to make this something that's worth watching. Yeah, because like it's it's just going to be super challenging to get people like invested into watching this product that's already failed. Yeah. So it's going to be hard. Um, okay, football north of the border. Lots of signings today. Uh, some big ones. Um, the BC Lions signed their uh, wide receiver Dominic Rhymes, who who threatened to leave and retire and get out of here, but they came up with some money and were able to sign him. Uh, he had the second most yards in the CFL, 85 catches, 1,400 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Uh, really good for, for the Lions. Um, two signings today really lit my eyes up. Uh, we've got Vinny Testaverde Jr. signing in the CFL. Uh, his dad played 21 seasons in the NFL, and uh, we'll see how Junior plays. And also Reggie White Jr. Uh, pretty excited to see Reggie White Jr. Uh, I loved his old man. He had uh, an amazing career. And, um, yeah, if his son's uh, even close to how good he was, uh, he's going to be a pretty dominant player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Because Reggie White was one of the most dominant football players at his position ever. So if if the son has any of those great genes in him, uh, well, you know, he'll have his start in the CFL. Then maybe we'll see him in the NFL. Um, listen to Reggie White's um, 
resume, basically. Uh, Two-time Defensive Player of the Year, um, 13-time Pro Bowl, uh, two-time NFL sack leader. He's on the 80s All-Decade team, the 90s All-Decade team, 71st and 100th anniversary all-time team. He's in the Eagles Hall of Fame, uh, the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame. Both teams retired his number 92 and on and on and on and on. Um, you know, one of the, the greatest ever. And uh, yeah, kind of cool that we get these juniors north of the border here. And I'm actually really looking forward to seeing them both play. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see just how good uh, the juniors are uh, when they start to play. Yeah. Uh, on the weekend, I watched the Hall of Fame knocks. Do you ever remember seeing that show where they go and knock on the door, surprise the new Hall of Fame class with a guy in a yellow jacket, usually a guy they played with or a, a Hall of Famer from the organization? Uh, the family knows about it, but the guy doesn't know about it. Pretty awesome. Pretty cool. Uh, did you watch that or have you seen that in the previous years? No, no, I, I, I've, I've never watched this. I've never seen this. Oh man, it was very, very touching, very amazing. Uh, great to see. Uh, I think they're going to show it a little bit on um, NFL Network in the coming days. And uh, if you do see it come up, I'll, I'll try to let you know if I see it. But if you do see it come up, watch it. Really amazing. Uh, these guys, uh, they became the 371st players to make it to the Hall of Fame in the history of the NFL, um, 100, 100 years that's been around and only 371 guys are getting that honor. Uh, it was it, It's really cool, and and uh, you can see how touched they all were. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that sounds fantastic. And also, too, it hits the heartstrings. Probably pretty emotional. Oh, yeah. Big time, yeah. Okay, well, that's a wrap on the NFL. Uh, only 200 and I think it's 206 days till next season starts. So uh, <laughs> the countdown is on. Um, I loved the NFL this year. It was fun breaking it down with you. Uh, really good to be so tuned in to the league this year. And uh, it was another amazing, amazing season. Nah, it was a great season. Great season. And it ended with a fantastic Super Bowl. Yeah, I think the best ever, yeah. Okay, let's turn to UFC 284 from Perth, Australia. We were able to see something that we've never seen in UFC history in this uh, in this main event. The number one pound-for-pound pound against the number two pound-for-pound pound fighters in the UFC. Uh, we had uh, Alex Volkanovsky going up in weight challenging the champion Islam Makachev and uh we had a, a great battle uh the Australian fans were phenomenal fully into it almost were able to get Alex Volkanovsky a huge victory and become the only the fifth uh fourth uh, champ champ of all time and um this this was a great fight I loved it I did think that Makachev did enough in the way the current scoring is. I did think he won three rounds, Volkanovski two. But uh, after you saw it, who did who did you think won? I thought Makachev won, but was so close. It was so close. It was 
such a hotly contested match, and they're 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 so good, both of them, yeah. and they were pretty much equal. I thought a lot of give and take. I think Makachev was surprised by how good Volkanovski's grappling was. He couldn't keep him down, no. and, and and it only happened like there was only like I think there was the one round where he managed to get that body lock on him. Yeah. But other than that, he really couldn't keep him down, and I think. Makachev was surprised by that. Do you think Volkanovski should have went for some takedowns? Do you think he could have maybe secured another round if he had went from takedown and, and was able to secure one or two? Yeah, but he he did try. He did try, but Makachev's uh, takedown defense was stellar. Like he almost had that inside trip. I think in the fourth round. Uh, so he almost had him a couple times. He almost took him down, but Makachev is. Really good, and it was really, really difficult for him to take him down. <clears throat> um, do you remember what I've been saying about Russian fighters uh, for the past year, year and a half? Uh, what I've been sort of calling most of them? Uh, not nice names. Not nice names at all. No. Uh, yeah. Well, um. I, I, I think they're outright cheaters. I think that whole entire system has been cheating for decades upon decades and has just permeated every sport. I think uh, we we can't consider these guys clean. And there's reports today that there will be an investigation launched into Islam Makachev and he will face a two-year suspension if the... Uh, reports are coming out that are true. Uh, they are trying to get proof behind his cheating, and they are trying to uh, say that uh, he should be stripped of the belt, he should be suspended for two years, and uh, Volkanovsky will uh, not have this loss on his record. Um, supposedly, he hired a nurse in Australia that gave him an IV to rehydrate and that's against USADA's rules, and that's a two-year suspension if you're caught doing that. Uh, there is a way to test your blood to see that that is possible, but if they are able to get the nurse and put her you know, into a room and, and interrogate her, I, I think um, you know, she'll have to tell the truth and come clean. And I think, um, I, I think this is going to happen. I think Makachev is going to lose his belt, and he will be suspended for two years. Wow, that's huge. I did not hear about any of this. That is, wow. Uh, first off, you have to think to yourself, like, why would you put yourself at risk? You know what the rules are. Just to gain an advantage, it's not an advantage if you lose the belt. And no. you can't wait two years. Not at all. Uh, yeah. I don't know if they paid her extra to keep her mouth shut. Um, but the what, um, how this started coming out was, Dan Hooker had heard from someone that a nurse was hired by Makachev's team and uh, she administered the IV. Uh, when he when he went to the weigh-in and he stepped on the scale and he was 155, he looked terrible. He actually looked like he was going to pass out. He actually looked like he wasn't going to be able to fight. I was pretty shocked at how gaunt he looked and he just didn't look healthy at all. And uh, supposedly, boom, they went somewhere she put the IV in him. Uh, when he stepped in the cage, supposedly he was 180, 180 pounds about. And uh, he had just 
been able to rehydrate himself. And that's that's unfair. That's an unfair advantage. I think that should be a suspension. I think that's something that they've had in place for a few years. And I think it's just, and if he's caught, uh, I think it's it's right that he should be stripped. And, uh, you know, this this law should be stricken from from uh, his, his, Jovanovsky's record. And, uh, yeah, he's becomes, hopefully becomes the champ. He'll have to fight somebody else. And I think he can beat almost everybody in this division if he gave Makachev that tough of a test. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And also on top of that, him rehydrating up to 180 pounds, like I, you could see the, the difference in the size between the two men, right? I thought to myself, I'm like, why does Makachev look so much bigger than Volkanovski? I was I was surprised. I was shocked at that. Yeah. And but then now you got to give Volkanovski even more credit because now he's fighting a man that's literally twenty five pounds heavier than he was when he stepped into into the octagon, and he gave him that much of a fight. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, I think Jovanovski's stock actually rose even in this loss. Uh, he thinks he won, and I've heard a ton of people think that he won. Joe Rogan has come out and said, "Hey." At the end of that fight, we were just slapping, high-fiving everybody, saying, oh, man, he's a champ champ. He did it. I can't believe he did it. And then they were just stunned when the, the judges' scorecards were read, um, especially the 49-46, which I thought was so That's pathetic and ridiculous. Derek Cleary had four rounds to one. That was dumb. Nobody had that. Absolutely nobody except him. Uh, it was ridiculous. But it was um, – incredible performance by Jovanovski and and he really honestly I think he lost from when I saw it I'm gonna have to watch it again obviously but razor razor thin and and he thought he won he said his whole team thought he won obviously the Australian crowd did too but I've heard from a lot of people uh that said you know they heard that uh, Jovanovski really was consensus winner amongst a lot of people it was close, man. It was close. Like, especially, you can make the argument with the way that Volkanovski finished the fight uh, in the fifth round that he yeah. really put a stamp on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 yeah he was dominant in that fifth round. Uh, yeah. You could tell that uh, Makachev was getting tired. He was, uh, he, he got knocked down. Uh, I wish that Jovanovski would have got them to stand back up. And I think he probably could have taken him out with a few more shots. He decided to go down and try to get some ground and pound, but was having a hard time getting some space. But yeah, I, I, he was coming on in those those last two rounds, and it really seemed like you know if it was a sixth round, I think uh, you know we've got a new champ. Yeah, if there's a sixth round for sure, because that's the other thing that I was so impressed by with Volkanovski is his cardio was absolutely insane. Yeah, it was it was so it was so impressive the pace that he was able to put on on Makachev, and you could see that it was beginning to tire him out. So where do we go from here? Is there a rematch, or do they both go to the respective divisions? If Makachev, you know, escapes this, uh, do they both go to the respective divisions and fight the you know top contenders? I, I, I would say so now. Yeah, they go back to their respective divisions, they fight the top contenders. But I guess now also, too, we have to see if Makachev even keeps his belt. If all of this stuff, if any of this stuff is actually true, then he's not going to be the champ anymore. Yeah. Um, okay. So 
who does Makachev fight if he's still the champ? Uh, there's talk about Benil Dariush, possibility of Dustin the Diamond Poirier again, or the winner between Connor and Michael Chandler. Ah, you know what? The Chandler McGregor one, it that could be a possibility, even though I don't think those guys actually deserve the shot. I think actually the guys that should get the shot is Daniel Dariush. I think he's the guy that should be next up to fight yeah. Michael Chandler. Yeah, I agree. I think he's 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 not the sexy name, he's not the big yeah. big draw, but I think he deserves it. Poirier's already had the chance and wasn't yeah. able to do it. Uh, Connor and Chandler are, you know, both on losing streaks and should have to fight probably twice before they get that opportunity. But I think Dariush should be the guy. Uh, okay, turning to the featherweight division, uh, Jovanovski uh, wants to have that rematch. He said, he said, uh, Makachev asked for the rematch. I've asked for the rematch. UFC wants it. Uh, that's what he wants next. But if they say nope, you got to have a you're going to have to fight the featherweight. Uh, he knows who he's going to have to fight now. And uh, that co-main event was a hell of a fight. Uh, it was amazing performance. And I I can't believe how good Yair Rodriguez uh, is now, had, uh, was in that performance. And uh, really, I think, could give Jovanovski a big run for his money after that performance. Oh, yeah. He looked incredible. Like, it just seemed like he was just several steps ahead of Emmett the entire fight. Heard him multiple occasions. Uh, kicks to the body, uh, the short elbow to the head. Like, he he looked absolutely fantastic. And then even when he got to the ground and he tied him up on that triangle, to, the triangle choke to finish him, yeah, he looked amazing. And he was hitting him from the ground with those vicious elbows. Brutal elbows, yeah. yeah. Brutal. It was impressive, yeah. Yeah, after throwing the knee and Emmett catching it and pushing it to the ground, getting on top, I thought, okay, well, Emmett's got his opportunity now to dominate. He's a bit bigger than Rodriguez, uh, you know, definitely more compact and, and the ability to keep him pressed down. But um, that uh, first of you want for the armbar, and uh, as soon as Emmett uh, was able to defend that, that triangle choke came in so quick. And, wow, was that ever slick and incredible. And uh, Emmett just tapped so so fast to it. Uh, I was blown away by it. Yeah, it was a very slick transition into the triangle choke. And it, he locked that in. It must have been super tight because Emmett was just like, done, done. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. yeah. Will, will you be excited for a fight between Jovanovski and Yair Rodriguez? Oh, yeah, of course. I think that's going to be a fantastic fight. Because, like, just look at how good Yair looked. In this fight, he looked exceptional. So, yes, I, I am definitely looking forward to this fight. Jovanovski has said that he wants to stay super busy. And one of the reasons why he wanted to go up and challenge himself in the lightweight division was because he didn't think he could stay busy enough being in one weight class. And uh, so he does want to fight back in both weight classes. Uh, I'm excited about that. I think um, we're going to see something pretty Fairly soon, uh, maybe three, four months away. Uh, there is another fight. I think it's scheduled for Australia without Asanya. So, um, you know, they they won't have him probably on that card right away. But um, I, I could see May, maybe June, something like that, uh, 
for this fight? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I could see that. I could see a quick turnaround, uh, especially because of the fact that Volkanovski did not get hurt in this fight, not extremely hurt or anything else like that. So I could see them doing it in May and June. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for it. And, uh, I think it's great. Um, Joe, uh, Jovanovski, we'll see what, what shakes down with Makachev. Um, uh, would you be excited for a rematch between uh, Islam and uh, Jovanovski? Yeah, because like that fight was amazing. It yeah. was amazing. It was it was just it was absolutely amazing. Um, obviously, they're they they would both make adjustments, and so I would be I'm curious to see what adjustments that they could they would make when they fight each other and see how that pans out. Now that yeah yeah, um, the the crowd was pretty impressive in Australia. They hadn't been in Perth in five years. Uh, but Australia has had some amazing, amazing crowds. But this one seemed to reach its fever pitch when Jack Della Maddalena came in. He's a Perth guy, must have had hundreds and hundreds of fans, local fans, family, friends in the crowd. And when he was able to get the submission victory over Randy Brown, the place just went bananas. Uh, this was a hell of a performance over Randy Brown, who I thought was Moving really well, sticking and moving, and looked really good early on. But once he got hit a few times by Madalena, it was it was a quick, quick victory for him. Yeah, because Brown was utilizing his reach really, really well. Yeah. But once Madalena hit him with that right, oh, it was pretty much game over after that. He just fell right on his face. Like, he yeah. did not get his hands down. He was on his face. It was... It was a vicious, amazing shot that uh, Brown was just not able to withstand. No, he wasn't able to withstand it at all. And on top of that, that dude has crazy, insane power. I I know he has insane power, but when you see it, it's kind of shocking because Randy Brown fell on his face. <laughs> fell on his face, right? Yeah. I think uh, Jack has the flattest nose that I've ever seen on a human being. It just doesn't even look like there's cartilage there. It just sort of looks like it was pressed onto his face with some clay. And uh, he looks like he's been in a lot of wars. That was uh, an amazing performance. Um, he grew up as a boxer. I think they said he started out uh, maybe at four or five years old as a boxer. Spent many, many years as a boxer and finally get himself into MMA and you know, has a lot of power and looked impressive. And uh, he was able to sink that rear naked choke in so quick. Once once he went to the canvas and the fight wasn't waved off right away, uh, he just jumped in behind him, sunk in the choke, and uh, he got the tap real quick. Yeah, he got the tap. Like, the tap was almost immediate. So the squeeze that he had must have been pretty exceptional, for sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, great win though by Jack. Great win. Oh, it was it was impressive. Um, I I loved Rude Boy and how he came out and he was using that five inch uh, reach advantage and he you know much taller, uh, way lankier and and his movement looked amazing. But once uh, Jack landed that massive right and uh, he just collapsed. Boom! It was it was quick and over. Uh, that's four. First round finishes in a row for him. Uh, he called out Vincente Luque. I think that's a little bit higher than the USC is probably going to put him against an opponent. But um, lots of guys kind of in that 
15 to 20 range that I think he sort of lines up against. Uh, I have some names here as uh, possible opponents like Neil Magny, Michelle Pereira, Muslim Salikov, maybe the winner between Holland and Ponzinibbio or Nicholas Dalby. Um, I don't know. Where do you, who do you think uh, he sort of probably gets paired up against? Uh, I like the winner between Holland and Ponzinibbio. Like, I, I think, I think that that would be actually a very entertaining fight. Also, too, I thought his call out was awesome, though, because yeah. that would be a great fight between those two. If he could get that, if he, if they gifted him Luke, that'd be a great fight. Not sure it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's talk about Randy Brown maybe facing Jake Matthews next. Um, Jack said he's going to Bali for a vacation and he will be out of commission for a little while while he goes there and has a, a nice uh, getaway. So we might not see him for uh, three, four months in the cage, but man, after that performance, uh, you think he wants to jump on to somebody quick and uh, keep, keep rocking. Cause that was awesome. And, and the, the Australian crowd, uh, wow. Just gave me goosebumps hearing how loud they were roaring for him and how happy they were when he got his hand raised. Um, there was 10 Australians on the card. Uh, we had a New Zealander as well. Uh, Justin Taffa fought Parker Porter in the heavyweight battle. Uh, Taffa came in only a 5-3 and three record, 5 KOs, but 3 losses out of 8 fights. You know, you, you're going to maybe take him a little lightly that he doesn't, uh, you know, finish off uh, every opponent to getting a 3 loss out of 8 fights. Not great. Parker Porter has fought guys like John Jones, Gabriel Gonzaga, you know, a lot of tough heavyweights. And you thought, okay, I, I think this is Parker Porter's fight to win. Uh, but as soon as Tafa landed, that walk-off knockout, it was over. It reminded me of Mark Hunt doing that before. And uh, it was it was pretty cool. And another massive roar from the local crowd. Yeah, it was awesome. Huge left. And I love the fact that Tafa was just, I believe he looked down at him and said, yeah, you're done. And just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love knockouts like that when they can just, uh, yeah, they realize, no, this guy's not getting up. And yeah. go ahead and finish it, Rafa. I, I, I'm finished for my day. And uh, it's it's cool. Uh, we don't get to see that too much. But uh, I love the roar from the crowd. It was incredible. Uh, I've heard uh, some possibilities of opponents. For Tafa now, uh, maybe Augusta Sakai, uh, Rodrigo Nascimento. I even heard maybe Tanner Bozer. Tanner Bozer did tease everybody on social media the other day saying he's got an opponent. They haven't heard of who yet. Uh, maybe Parker Porter might be a guy that uh, is a good opponent for him. But, um, yeah, we'll see what shakes down for both these two. Two big heavyweights, both at the 265-pound limit. And both with a lot of power and skill. Uh, I'm looking forward to both of them fight. But Tafa, uh, he's definitely back up on the uh, winning track. And uh, very impressive win. Yeah, very impressive win. And uh, I look forward to more walk-off KOs from him. Yeah, yeah, it's always fun. Uh, and uh, we saw we saw Shuey being done right after uh, celebrating. So... Uh, the Australian crowd was great. I, I just can't say enough about it. It was uh, super fun to see 
it back down under. And uh, they were fighting at like, I think it started around 6.37 in the morning. They were fighting like all morning. Can you believe the crowd that would go there that early in the morning for, for a fight card? That's impressive. That is super impressive because you couldn't even tell that it was 6.37 in the morning. They, the fans were super into the fights. Yeah. Yeah, they were it, was, it was cool. Uh, okay, the fight that kicked off the main card was a light heavyweight battle between two two really, really talented fighters in Jimmy Crude and Alonzo Menafield. And um, this fight was great. Uh, really hell of a battle between two very, very talented guys. Uh, I actually thought Crude won this fight. And when it went to the judges' scorecards, because of a point taken away from Menafield, for grabbing the cage on a takedown attempt by Crute, uh, the became a draw. Uh, Menafield was going to win this fight on a split decision on two cards. He would have won 29-28. Crute uh, won the other card 29-27, but it would have been 29-28 Crute if without the point. Um, I was quite surprised that it ended up in a draw. I thought Crute won, but uh, I think they're just going to run this back. This is a draw. Really good, talented fight. I liked it. Um, I think we're going to see the rematch. Yeah, I definitely want to see a rematch. It was very close, very well fought by both men. I thought Crude had the advantage in the grappling, and then Menafield hit him with some bombs. And that Crude managed to will himself past. Because there were certain times where I'm like, he is out on his feet. I have no idea what's keeping this man up. (laughs) That's true, yeah. Yeah, it sure seemed like... He could have definitely gone down, and uh, yeah, he had. Uh, Manafield is massively powerful, and he had landed some big shots, but Crude uh, was able to weather that storm and keep on going, and, uh, and it was an entertaining fight, and uh, I wouldn't mind if they run it back. Oh, no, I, I hope they do. I hope they do, because it was an incredibly entertaining fight. Uh, the feature fight on the prelims, another um, Australian guy, Tyson Pedro, fighting Modeskis Bukowskis. And you had mentioned that Bukowskis was coming back after a horrific knee injury. Uh, really impressive that he was able to come back and, and be in the cage again after suffering that. But, uh, and he was a, uh, uh, he actually uh, was a late replacement opponent for Pedro. Pedro was supposed to fight uh, Jang Minjang before before, but uh, got pulled out. So Bukowskis was the guy. But um Pedro had a had a good performance and, and got the decision win. I uh I enjoyed I enjoyed his performance and um he looked good. Uh good good takedowns, good striking, and um yeah, I thought he won the fight. Yeah, yeah, he, he did look good. Um I I you know what though, I was kind of I wasn't impressed with Bukowskis because of the fact that he was such a late replacement and he, he fought very, very well. Yeah. Very, very well. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Uh, okay. Um, let's talk about the uh, Kulabau. Uh, I don't know. I can't even say this guy's name. <laughs> Melsic Bagdasarian. Uh, I guess I'm going to try to say it like that. Um, Bagdasarian had come in with four knockouts in under 32 seconds. And uh, I thought, um, yeah, look out. He's going to uh, really take it to him. But uh, Kulabau uh, was able to uh, drop him with a jab. 
caught his back and sunk in a rear naked choke, just like we talked about a little earlier. Force tap. Uh, got his first career win by decision there, by submission there, I mean, and um, got the victory. It was it was uh, very, very quick and uh, really assertive getting that rear naked choke victory. Yeah, just the, the speed at which he did it, which was the most impressive thing to me. Uh, but the fight was kind of in jeopardy. I didn't know if he would be able to continue when he got that low blow. Yeah. Because uh, he looked like he was in a tremendous amount of pain. <laughs> yeah. He said uh, he lost some of his junk up into his body. <laughs> he said it wasn't coming back down, so he wasn't sure he could continue if it didn't. But uh, he said finally they dropped and he was able to get the win. Wow! Wow! Because like, that—that's. I was worried. I didn't. I didn't know if he would continue because you could see the pain on his face, and it was like, wow. Okay, well, maybe he can't continue. Yeah, it was a little rough. I I agree. It was it was a little scary. Um, let's see. Uh, was that uh, was that one of the fifty Ks? I'm trying to see the fifty Ks. Oh, we got Madalena, Islam, and Volk, and oh no, Yair. So the fifty Ks go to Islam and Volkanovski for fight of the night. Yair Rodriguez for his triangle choke win. And Jack Della Madalena for his rear naked choke victory. I thought Kulabal um, got a uh, got a fifty k bonus, but I was wrong. So, um, okay, how about uh, this Claydeson Rodriguez? He uh, gets the knockout victory uh, really quick on Shannon Ross. Uh, just, just, just brutal shots. Just came in. Absolutely just started assaulting him. Uh, it took him out quick. It was, what, less than a minute? Yeah, it was just wham, bam, out. It was incredibly impressive. Taking a guy, uh, going on his uh, USC debut, the Turkish Delight. Uh, he's from the Gold Coast in Australia, but was not able to get the victory in his home country. No, no, he was taken out quick. He got machine gun down. That was uh, that Rodriguez has incredibly fast hands, and once he got him up against the cage, he took him out quickly. You don't see uh, that much power from a flyweight and that much just uh, absolute brutality. But um, yeah, he just decided he wanted an early night and made sure of it. It was quick. No, yeah, no, he made sure of that it was like uh, you know what I got to get some dinner, so let's just make this quick. <laughs> yeah. Uh okay. Um you want to make any comments about uh, Jamie Malarkey, Francisco Paula? Prado, Prado, sorry. Well, yeah, uh I know Malarkey was Malarkey was actually able to put it all together. I, I thought he maintained good distance when he when he was striking and he and he switched it up well with the grappling. Um Prado, I think, was a little bit overmatched in this one. Yeah. This was his uh, uh, his first loss of his career, I think. Yeah, he, he got um, yeah got in a bit off a little more than he could chew. Uh, Malarkey was using his reach really to his advantage. His jabs were great, kept him on the outside. Amazing calf kicks. Uh, I thought, uh, yeah, just uh, it just seemed to be rinse and repeat all three rounds, and uh, awesome performance from. From Malarkey to get the win. Uh, did you see much of the early prelims? 
that was not televised. Uh, were you able to catch any of the action? Unfortunately, no. I didn't see it in the early prelims. <clears throat> Yeah, there was um, yeah a few good performances, but uh, yeah, we can we can definitely uh, move on to next week's card. We've got um, a new main event. Aaron Blanchfield is fighting now. Jessica Andrade. Uh, she was supposed to fight Talia Santos, and Santos um, had to be replaced. Uh, I think this is not. Uh, good news for the Blanchfield camp. Uh, we've got Andrade coming in, one of the toughest, roughest, uh, most brutal MMA women MMA fighters, and I, I think um, Blanchfield uh, is in a lot of trouble. I think she's in for a world of pain on this particular fight. Uh, I think Andrade is is going to dust her. I, I don't think it's going to be even close. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, not a not a great replacement. Uh, I think they could have yes, he could have taken a little easier on her. And uh, uh, Andrade has fought in uh, a few of the weight classes. Uh, we'll see uh, what her weight fluctuation will be like. This might be hard for her to make this weight, but um, yeah, keep your eye out. Uh, this is a little bit of a a lighter card for sure. Uh, I love I love the William Knight uh, marching. Prashneo fight. Um, I I was really disappointed when uh, Corey Sanhagen and uh, Marlon uh, Chito Vera had to be canceled. Um, that would have been, uh, I think, the main event. And uh, that was really uh, too bad that they lost that and weren't able to replace it with something comparable. Yeah, that was that sucked because that I was looking forward to seeing this fight. And hopefully they'll put that fight on at a later date. But uh, that would have been one heck of a main event. Yeah. Um, on the prelim card, uh, good to see Jim Miller, one of the pioneers and one of the top guys in the sport, has been there forever and ever. Always great to see him. He's always competing for records because he's been spent so much time in the cage. Uh, I do look forward to the light heavyweight battle between Ovid St. Prue and Philip Linz, two guys that uh, Tanner Bozer has fought. And, um, yeah, we will... See, there's uh, some UFC debuts to be had, and um, there was uh, a few cancellations that really unfortunate that's making this card not as exciting as it was. But uh, we've seen a lot of cards that were, you know, not really destined to be great on paper, but uh, turned out to have a lot of good performances on. So that will come at us next week. It's a er bit of an early card. Prelims start at 1 Pacific. Main event starts at 4, so... Uh, 4 Pacific, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, anything more you want to mention about it? Uh, you know what? Uh, just uh, just uh, again to touch on Jim Miller. I'm always amazed that this guy is still fighting because like, he's been doing it for so long. <laughs> so long. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Jimmy again. Yeah, me too, yeah. Uh, in the uh, world of combat, uh, Jose Aldo won his boxing debut on Friday. Uh, unanimous decision victory over Emmanuel Zambrano. And uh, now he's gearing up to fight on the uh, <laughs> the card that we were talking about last week. And um, yeah, I think uh, I'm super looking forward to seeing Jose Aldo. 
box. I, I only got to see some brief highlights. I'm hoping to get to see the whole fight this week. And um, yeah, I, I I think it's cool that he's he's uh, in the boxing world, and I think he's going to do great. I think he's going to do fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm 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 excited, and I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, okay, let's uh, finish off with some NBA talk. It is uh, All Star Week. Uh, there's only 29 games on the schedule this week. We had a bunch tonight. Uh, Thursday, there's a light schedule, about three games, and then they got a whole week off. Uh, the All-Star players won't, but uh, the rest of the league will. Uh, they won't have games until the following Thursday. Uh, this is the 72nd All-Star game coming out of Utah. Uh, I think they've uh, changed the format and different things. I like that they're picking the players half an hour before the start of the game. Uh, I think it's going to be cool to see Team Giannis, Team LeBron going, he's mine, he's mine, I'm going to take him, you take him, I'll take him, he take. It's going to be kind of cool and fun, and uh, I, I really hope, uh, I haven't heard 100% that they're doing it on the sidelines, but uh, I hope that that's the case and we we can laugh, especially the, the, la- the first pick, the few picks of former teammates or teammates of them, and the last pick, uh, all those will be hilarious to watch. Oh no! It, it's you know it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be it's going to be good for a laugh. I'm just kind of curious to see who's going to be picked last. Yeah, that guy will never live it down. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm very anticipating waiting for All Star Saturday night. The participants are going to be announced tomorrow on TNT, the early broadcast, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, we'll find out the dunk. Uh, three-point shootout, the skills, people. Um, I'm hoping that we get, uh, yeah, some really hello, really great talented players. Uh, the skills contest is usually pretty fun in that dunk contest. If they can get some really great guys that battle it out in the end, uh, it's it's very entertaining. And they have the All-Star Celebrity Night Friday, Celebrity Game Friday, skills on Saturday, and then the game in Utah on Sunday. Uh, are you looking forward to the festivities? Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's always fun. It's always fun to, to, to watch, uh, you know, like hopefully the dunk contest is actually good. Hopefully they get some named people in there for the dunk contest. And then, you know, like seeing the skills competition, I really like that stuff too as well. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, Steph Curry is hurt, so he will not be able to be defending his three point, shootout win but uh i'm sure clay will be there and some of the you know most prolific three-point shooters in the league which is always super super fun uh okay this is the first podcast we've had since lebron james became the all-time leading scorer in nba history uh super fun to watch that last week and um he just decided that's it 36 points away i'm getting it uh, he was able to get 38 points, break the record. They stopped the game, uh, brought Kareem out. He passed the ball to him, passed the torch over. Uh, loved how many celebrities were there. And and uh, it was just a phenomenal moment. Uh, I was so happy that I got to watch it live. One of the greatest sporting moments in the history of, of sports. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I I appreciate the fact that they took their time I appreciate the fact that that you know they 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 gave him his due yeah. because this was an incredible record that nobody 
would have ever thought he would break. Yeah. Yeah, to be a pass-first guy right from the jump and, uh, you know, come in, have this long of a career and still be so dominant uh, 20 years in and uh, be able to touch a record like that that almost nobody thought would be broken. Kareem had played just so many games, and he had his unstoppable skyhook. There was a lot of rumors or thoughts that he's going to break it with a skyhook, but he did his patented fadeaway shot that almost is unstoppable as well. And uh, was able to get get the points. Uh, he only got two more points after the record, and he hasn't played a game since. So he was banged up in that game. Obviously, he hasn't played a minute since he missed missed the game again tonight. Wow. Uh, so he, you know what? He probably willed himself just to get the record. You know, like like you said, he was banged up, and he's not a young man anymore. He's not a young man. But the fact that he's able to average. 30 points at his age. First off, nobody's ever done that before. Only him. Yeah. That's how amazing LeBron is. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I, I, you know, I just can't say enough. Incredible, incredible career. Uh, That was so good. I I decided I needed to see it live somewhere in a bar and uh, I convinced them to put the sound on and, and uh, as it got closer, it was really exciting. And uh, a lot of people started paying attention, and and uh, it was nice to see it among some people that uh, really wanted to be to be witness to it. And um, yeah, it's to me, it's it's one of the greatest moments in sports history. Definitely one of the top moments all time of NBA history. Uh, we saw Steph Curry break the three point record and see the two guys that he had passed to get up there. Uh, it's really nice that the NBA still has some of those legends that. And pass the torch to the new guy. LeBron will be that guy maybe one day if uh, some superstar can, you know, have as lengthy of a career as LeBron. And and uh, you know, I think at some point we're gonna see scores like 171 to 172, you know, and so guys will be getting 35, 40 points a game, and you know, the eventually it probably will be broken, but um he's he's still got maybe three, four, five years, and he could probably push it. You know, maybe another 10,000 points up there. Uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Uh, yeah. There, you know what? Whatever point total he ends up at, which is going to be well over 40,000 points, that will stand the testament of time. Nobody's going to be breaking that for a long time. I will stand for decades. Just yeah. like Kareem's, I will stand for decades. Yeah, it was 39 years that Kareem's record stood for. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think me and you will be far from around uh, by the time that record's broken. Uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be long gone. But uh, this was also um, NBA trade deadline week uh, behind us, and uh, there was some moves. Uh, we, we got to talk last week about the Kyrie Irving deal and how dumb Dallas was making that deal. If they would have just paid Jalen Brunson that money uh, last offseason, they wouldn't have had to make such a dumb move and get Kyrie, the cancer, in there. But uh, now we get to talk about some other moves, and the biggest move really shook the foundation of the league was Kyrie's old running mate, Kevin Durant, getting traded to Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix had to give up a lot, but now they've got the big four there, and uh, they become one of the front runners in the West, and uh, if they can get cohesive and healthy, uh, they have a really legitimate shot at uh, making the NBA final with that team. 
yeah, they're they're immediate contenders with Kevin Durant, like immediate. And it was shocking because here the Nets had Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant three years ago. Three years later, all of those guys are gone. Gone. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, I've I've decided I'm going to put the word out to Steve Nash that he can go back to Brooklyn now because uh, <laughs> all those cancers that got uh, him fired uh, are no longer there, and uh, he'll be able to have a great team. They were probably the most hated team in many, 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 many years. I think the team that they've assembled now in Brooklyn might be the most fun team, might be the most lovable team because they're just a bunch of casts off that actually are pretty decent players and will be really fun to watch. And it's no more egos. It's just some fun basketball to be had. And, and I'm glad all three of those guys, some of the worst teammates that have ever existed in the NBA are all gone now. And Brooklyn could be actually fun to watch. Yeah. Brooklyn now is now fun to watch. They probably actually now have a better culture there. Because all of those guys are now gone. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. I hope Steve Steve makes the phone call. Hey, Sean, uh, you got a job there? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you you want to hire me back now that all those guys are gone that didn't want me there? Uh, I think Phoenix gave up a lot. Uh, you mentioned uh, Mikhail Bridges when I uh, sent out the uh, info to you about what uh, the trade was. Um, he is. Uh, an incredible talent. I, I watched him tonight with the Nets. Uh, Cam Johnson, they got Spencer Dinwiddie there. But Mikhail Bridges was a lot, and I don't think Phoenix wanted to give him up. But uh, the deal, I guess, wasn't going to be consummated unless he was part of the deal. Yeah, and that's a big loss for Phoenix. It's a big loss because he, like, he's, he's so good defensively. Like, he was one of their stalwart defenders. So... And then also, too, like giving up Cam Johnson, who's another great piece that the Nets managed to get. But you know what? That That's that's the deal that you got to make. If you want a guy of that caliber, these are things that you have to give up. Uh, what is your what is your prediction for Phoenix? Uh, are they going to be able to pull this together? And uh, are they going to go on a run in the playoffs? I think they definitely are going to put it, pull it together. I, I think now that KD actually has like a real point guard, that's going to help distribute the ball in Chris Paul. Um, yeah, I think I I I think they're going to make a run uh, once they get that cohesiveness going on. It might take a couple games, obviously, but once that happens, they're going to be a tremendous threat in the West. I think uh, Denver's looking great this year. They've been able to have Jokic at the MVP level again. Jamal Murray's back playing well. Michael Porter's good. Aaron Gordon's been good there. Uh, they are the class of the West right now, but I think um, they're, uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty, uh, pretty crazy in that spot. Uh, what about Dallas? Um, now that Kyrie's there with Luca, do you think Dallas has a shot to, you know, maintain their current position in top four, five in the, <coughs> Top four or five in the West. I, I think they'll maintain their position, but I I feel that the team doesn't have enough pieces to really threaten anybody. Like, uh, Luka's that good that they have a chance to win a playoff series, but I think that's about it. Yeah, Possibly one. That's it. Um, I gave you the good news that uh, Gary Payton II was coming back to Golden State, and then all of a sudden uh, it was held up. 
and there was some uh, talk that uh, maybe this deal might get jettisoned, might not happen at all. Um, Golden State has accused Portland of not divulging the full uh, injury details of Gary Payton, who had off-season abdominal surgery, missed the first 35 games of the year. And um, they say that he's not going to be ready for a month or two to play games. He had played a few games in Portland before this deal, but once they got the physical, once they got some information from him, uh, they have accused Portland of dirty, dirty trading and uh, not dealing really well with it. What do you think of um, all this that sort of was holding up a four-team trade, four guys trading, changing teams? Yeah, it was – it was perplexing because this is like that usually never happens where another team doesn't divulge the full uh, severity of another player's injury because of the complexity of the trade. So many teams are involved. I don't know if Portland's going to get sanctioned for this. I don't know if they're going to get fined for this, but maybe they should because the NBA can't have these things happen. Yeah. I can't believe yeah. it. Well, um, the Warriors had to give up some draft picks. And um, James Wiseman, who uh, might go down as one of the biggest busts in NBA history, number two overall pick uh, once the Warriors were down without Clay and, and, and Steph there. They were one of the worst teams in the NBA. Had second overall pick and somebody they wanted to put in the middle and be that uh, center presence that they haven't had for uh, for so long and um yeah he just didn't work out well there uh steve kerr was not comfortable putting him on the floor and they finally just uh, shipped him off uh pretty bizarre that number two overall is given up on this early and uh just couldn't make it work in golden state yeah it's a shame it's a shame because you know you, you you'd think that he should have been able to play at least, like, get onto the court. But uh, he was not. He didn't fit their system. Yeah. Maybe he'll fit better in Detroit. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. we'll see uh, how that all shakes out. Uh, it was an interesting trade uh, for teams, and we'll see how the yeah the shifting around goes. Um, yeah, uh, I, I was quite surprised. I love Gary Payton. Let's hope that he can get back to 100% health and and can help the Warriors on a playoff run. Hopefully he can get healthy enough by the playoffs. Yeah, I, I hope so too as well because uh, I still love the trade, and hopefully they keep it. Yeah. Um, Lakers made a bunch of acquisitions. Uh, did you like what they did? Yeah, I, I was impressed with the moves that they made. I, I was actually super impressed. I I I thought that the GM, Rob Polinka, is it? I thought he made some great moves. I thought he made some really, really good moves. Okay, so they finally got rid of Russell Westbrook, who had been rumored for a very long time. Uh, he is now in Utah, but uh, there's been a lot of talk that he's mulling over what to do. Uh, they said they would welcome him with open arms, but if he doesn't want to go there, they're going to look at a buyout situation. And uh, if he can sign with the team before March 1st, he can be included on their playoff roster uh, if there is a buyout situation. Um, what do you think happens with Russell Westbrook? Where does he end up before March 1st? 
Ah, uh, well, that's just the thing. Like, what team would actually want his services? You know, like that. That's that to me is a, the biggest question. I'm sure he could help somebody, but also too at the same time, I don't know if there's uh, much of a market for Russell Westbrook at this point in time. So maybe his best play is actually just to play in Utah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I have heard rumors that the Bulls, the Bulls are interested, the Clippers are interested, and possibly the Heat. Uh, Kyle Lowry has had a really, really down year, and uh, they were looking to trade him, weren't able to find any trade partners, and uh, might be looking at the services of Russell Westbrook to bring in. And it won't cost them very much because they're going to get this big buyout uh, supposedly from Utah. So. Well, yeah, well, you know what? If they can get him at uh, at uh, at a premium, uh, at a good price, and it's not going to cost the team anything, yeah, then add him to the roster. Uh, I, I've seen quite the list of buyout possibilities. There's about 15, 20 guys that uh, are uh, in the market for that, for their respective teams. And, uh, yeah, we could see that uh, heat up pretty heavily in the next couple of weeks. And, uh uh, there'll be some interesting additions for some of these playoff teams. Um, players of the week. I always like mentioning that. Uh, Eastern Conference Player of the Week. First time in his career, the Boston Celtics, Derek White. He had averaged about 24.5 points, 7.5 assists, and 5 rebounds. Shot 52% from the floor and from three. And led the Celtics, helped the Celtics to a 4-0 record in the week uh his best performance was a 33 point performance over charlotte he is um in that starting lineup uh replacing marcus smart who's still hurt and boston is leading the uh league in wins and looking really good and good to see Derek white in there contributing after getting himself out of san antonio yeah well you know what Derek white was always a great player always a good player and just the fact that he was shooting the ball so ridiculously well. Uh, yeah, that's just going to keep helping Boston and their stock winning games for them. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I like that addition, and uh, it's been it's been awesome for them. Um, the Western Conference Player of the Week is Canadian Shea Gilgis Alexander. Uh, he has led OKC to a 2 and one record over the week, uh, just over 31 points a game. 6.3 assists, uh, shooting 57% from the floor, and he had a big game, 44 points against Portland this week. Um, man, this guy is great. I would I would be really shocked if OKC moved on from this guy, even though they have cleaned house and they are rebuilding big time. Uh, this guy is a, is a guy you really want to build a team around, isn't he? Oh, yeah, obviously. Obviously. He, he is so good. OKC has to make a choice at some point in time. Why would you give away a guy that you should never do that? If you have to build around a, a superstar, that's your superstar. That's yeah. the guy you build around. He's, he's the guy, yeah. They should keep him. I, I heard so many rumors that uh, they were shopping him and trying to you know move on from him. I was really shocked to hear that, and uh, it wouldn't make sense to, to get rid of him. He's been awesome. Um uh, the, the other things that are jumping out to me, Milwaukee's won 10 in a row, really chasing down Boston for that top team in the league. Uh, they got a nice victory last night over the Clippers. 
Um, Cavs are on a six-game winning streak and looking great as well. Uh, that team is great. Denver's looking phenomenal. Uh, Nikolai Jokic got his 20th triple-double of the season last night. 30 points, 16 rebounds, and 10 assists as the Nuggets beat the Hornets. Uh, no Jamal Murray there, so he had to throw the team on his back. And, uh, man, uh, he could be a three-time winner of MVP. Uh, he's not slowing down at all. He's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. I, he just – he has – He's a center that has Magic Johnson-type skills passing the ball. Yeah. And uh, that is just something that it's, no, nobody's ever seen this before, right? <laughs> nobody's yeah. ever seen that before, and he's just, he just keeps, on, keeps it moving. I love it, yeah. Um, Kyrie Irving finally made his Mavs home debut tonight after three games on the road. Uh, in 40 minutes, he had 36 points, six assists, and five rebounds. Uh, Luca had 33 points, 12, 12 rebounds in, and six assists in 36 minutes. And uh, Dallas was beat by Minnesota Timberwolves, 124-121. Um, it, yeah, they, they're just sort of, uh, yeah, you're right. Um, you know, they're, they're not, they don't have enough pieces. These two guys are phenomenal and great, uh, talented players, but uh, not enough surrounding them to really make uh, the upper echelon of the West uh, scared of, of this roster. Yeah, ab absolutely. That's the way I look at it. It's like you got two incredibly talented players, but they, they don't have enough pieces around them to put them over the top. I, I was watching that Knicks-Nets game earlier tonight, and Jalen Brunson was looking absolutely phenomenal. I can't believe... The Dallas didn't figure out how to keep him and uh, wouldn't have had to go there with Kyrie Irving. Yeah, yeah, they, they couldn't figure it out. And he's having one heck of a season right now with the Knicks. I was uh, I was just blown away. Tonight he put up 40 points and he just looked super, super dominant uh, facing the Nets who, you know, have that team that's just sort of been cobbled together from all these trades, but... Uh, it was great. Um, the other trade that uh, was impressive was um, the other guy that they got was Josh Hart. And, uh, man, he put up 27 tonight in 28 minutes. And uh, that was a big, big get for them. Yeah, yeah. Great get. Great player. Uh, 27 points in 28 minutes? Yeah. Like a point a minute? That's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad. No, I, I, I've loved uh, I've loved a lot of the moves. Uh, that one was huge for New York, and uh, they yeah they were able to get another important piece. And um, yeah, I think uh, uh, they're able to yeah be one of the dominant teams now. They got they got Julius Randle, they got Jalen Brunson, uh, R.J. Barrett is you know very talented player. Josh Hart, they got um, yeah a lot of a lot of talent on that Knicks team, and uh, they're yeah they're starting to really put it together. Yeah, no, they are starting to put it together, and uh, uh, they're, they're going to make some noise in the playoffs. Okay, man. Well, uh, I just saw the Warriors win tonight. Uh, they were able to beat the Wizards, and that was a great victory for Warriors. Uh, this was fun. Hey, man, I'm glad you uh, enjoyed the UFC and the Super Bowl, and I'm glad you had a three-day weekend as well. Um, maybe you'll join me in permanent retirement one day soon and uh, we can just enjoy sports every day, not even have to worry about uh, going into film, but 
Uh, I'm sure you'll be enjoying yourself back tomorrow. Uh, have a great day working. Have a good week ahead. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's talk around the All Star game. It'll be fun to fun to check out uh, how that turns out. Oh, definitely, definitely. We'll keep in touch and uh, watch that All Star game because it's going to be fun. Okay, man. Cheers. Take it easy. All right. All right. Good night. Good night. Okay. Thanks so much, everybody. Uh, that was uh, great. Uh, you know, almost a couple hours uh, talking. A lot of fun to uh, break down all that. Uh, holy cow. Um, yeah, and thanks to our partners and sponsors. Really appreciate your support as always. Anchor.fm, easiest place to make a podcast and phenomenal at posting on multiple podcast platforms for us. You can do what Jason and I just did here. Just go over to anchor.fm. Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company, industry leader in technology, performance, and value. And, of course, the V350 stick is a must-have for any hockey player in your midst. Uh, Pampas and Possibilities, designers of West Coast Pretty Things for your home. Uh, just get them to come in and spruce up your home. You will be glad you did. And Forever Living, the aloe vera company for health and beauty products. You can purchase products on our website, completesportsmedia.com. So, uh, again, thanks a lot. Uh, I really look forward to this week because I'm not having to go into work first thing. And I can really concentrate on this podcast and uh, the website and a lot of cool things that uh, I like to do. Uh, lots of fun sports ahead. And, um, yeah. Take care of yourself. Have a great week and uh, we will talk to you soon. Love you. Bye for now.